Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Pitchmasters with me, your host, Danny Fontaine. This week I speak to Hilary Salzman, the business storyteller. We talk about why we should tell stories in business, the science behind creating emotional connections and frameworks that you can immediately start using to create your own compelling stories. We also talk about the challenges that women face in male-dominated industries, overcoming imposter syndrome, and we have an open discussion on whether ChatGPT has a role in storytelling. So grab a drink, sit back, relax, and get ready to take some notes. Hilary Salzman, what a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you, Danny. I always start by asking my guests to introduce themselves. How do you pitch yourself and how do you pitch your business as well? Ah, yes, super question. I feel like I'm going to be tested You are. (laughs) This is a test. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So I am a business storyteller and essentially what I do is I help people discover and use their authentic voice to pitch themselves, to pitch their business, to pitch their services, their products, to talk about their businesses in a way which is much more human. So it's kind of moving away from that I do this and you should buy from me because I'm really good to to where do we find those human connections? How do we build audiences and engage with them so that we have trusted relationships? So people naturally want to buy from us. They naturally want to tell other people about us because we've got those lovely connections. So I work on a couple of levels. One is from the very sort of brand story perspective. So working out what the story of a brand is, um, you know, from the... um, initial vision, the purpose, the values of that organisation, so that they've got a consistent voice when they talk about themselves. And then I work with individuals or with teams, um, bringing in their own experiences, their own stories, and just creating that lovely kind of storytelling culture within an organisation and working to get those stories out through their campaigns, through whatever channel it is they're marketing to. And yes, it's all it's all about mm. stories. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, I am a huge storytelling nerd, so we're going to get into the nitty gritty in just a moment. But how did you end up being a storyteller how does one end up in this position it's a great question I, I I've got a bit of a cheesy answer but I think I've always literally always been a storyteller so when I was tiny that was what I did from the minute I could write I wrote tons and tons of stories and my parents have still got these little books you know these stapled stapled together story books and there was a whole load of floppy disks at one point that shows how <laughs> old I am <laughs> I used to record these yeah write down my stories and I just it was just the the natural thing that came to me to I had a very vivid imagination and I loved to write um so as I kind of progressed through school I was like all right what can I do with my writing and uh, initially I was going along the path to be a journalist that seemed Mm. like the obvious obvious way to tell other people's stories for them but you know things past go wiggly don't they They things happen and yeah (laughs) and and so I ended up in the corporate world doing marketing, (laughs) slightly different. (laughs) Um, And it was still, you know, I was writing on the side and, you know, this was in the late 
90s early 2000s in it software there's really not (laughs) not much scope for kind of creativity and 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 storytelling and I kind of you know I cut my teeth and worked across different channels and and did a load of partner marketing but it was always there in the background that I was thinking I just don't believe the stuff that I'm creating I don't believe the content it's you know why are we saying you know we're really good because we think we are we've got the best bit of software because we have and you know what about the people and it was just you know I just remember having conversations with leaders in in that tech space in the 2000s and they were just like storytelling no no don't be ridiculous right. <laughs> let's just talk about how great our widget is <laughs> <laughs> And I think, yeah, so I, I sort of I spent a, a long couple of decades in, in IT and tech and, you know, it just that constant niggle about you've got to connect more with the humans. And that, for me, is the obvious bit of storytelling. So I went through a bit of a journey. I worked for um, Vodafone for quite a few years, Vodafone business, and I was kind of pushing the early days of value propositions so again moving away from that kind of functional selling on Mm. on on price and things actually how do we how do we put the customer at the heart of it and I did a big sales transformation program with the enterprise team and for me then that was like the little the light at the end (laughs) of the tunnel and I was thinking oh hang on that people are buying into this now people are saying okay we'll think about the customer And it, that was kind of my in, and I was like, right, what's the what's the next stage on from a value proposition? And I and it was really that kind of like, right, this is where storytelling can come into its own. And I, you know, it was I was experimenting with different organisations, and say there was still quite a lot of reluctancy to it. And it was like, oh, it's just a fad. It's just a, <laughs> everyone's talking about it, and it's you know we don't need to go down that route, but. And the more and more I, I did it, the more I realized how effective it was, but also how much I loved it. Right. And yeah, and that's about four years ago. I was running an agency for quite a few years in the IT and telecom space. And then, yeah, about four years ago, I thought I've just I've just feel so strongly about the storytelling element. I've just got to just do that. And so I, I stepped down from the board and I set up 22 Stories, my organization now, and it's all I do. And I, you know, it is, you know, it's that, again, it's really cliche, but it is that kind of, you know, if you love what you do, you know, yeah. you never work. I mean, I, I do work. It, it doesn't feel quite like that. I mean, it's bloody hard work. But, yeah. um, but I, you know, I am, it's just, it is everything to me. It is, you know, and I, I work with such interesting people and I just love that process of light bulb moments when people finally start to kind of realize oh actually I can see the potential in this um and it's it's great it's yeah it's really it's empowering and and there's a big side of it as well that comes from my own personal story with finding my voice I really struggled um in my early uh, probably the first sort of 15 years of my career of feeling um you know like I didn't have a voice I didn't have a right to have an opinion and you know and it's so I had a lot of kind of self-development and self-learning around using my own story and and being comfortable with my own story and so that's all part of it as well and so you know they say as well as helping people pitch their businesses it's about helping them understand their own story and really 
feel that they have the right to have a story because sadly there's still a lot of people out there that that don't think that they have that right and you know and that's why I work quite hard especially with with women and and underrepresented groups to you know to really get their stories out there as well. What is it you think that makes people feel like they don't have that right to tell a story? I, th- I think it's a combination of things, and I think I think especially for women, in my own experiences, it was the way that we were brought up. Mm. Um, you know, I I had a grandmother who, you know, who just, you know, keep quiet, don't be emotional, mm-hmm. you know, just nod along, and that's yeah. what we do. And if you have a feeling, keep it inside. And I think, you know, I think it's changing now. You know, I, I was born in 1980, and I, you know, so you know, I think that generation was very much like that. But I think I've got a teenage daughter now, and I see the difference in her. I don't yeah. think she'll have those struggles that that I had definitely. And I, I think it's society as well. I think, you know, I think in business in particular, you know, there is this. Certainly when I was in working in large corporates, yeah, this idea that you've got to toe the line a bit. And yeah. I think, you know, so it's kind of you, you feel something, you feel you've got an opinion, you've got a voice. And it's like, oh, hang on, do do I want to upset the apple cart? Am right. I going to get told not to? And and yeah, especially for women, I, I really do think it's been a it's been a hard slog to kind of feel that voice. And I used to sit in meetings. And I mean this in no way offensive, but mm. you know, you'd have a, you know, a large amount of men. It was the IT world. There was a lot of men, <laughs> yeah. not many women in my space. And you know, they just come in and they have all these these ideas. And we're like, yeah, 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 that's great. And they'd get emotional and they would you know, bang fists on the table, <laughs> and everyone would cheer, we're like, yay! And then we would do it. Women would do it, and we would get excited. We'd get told off, you know, oh, stop! You're so emotional. You don't need to be emotional. Or you know, I remember being accused. To being a bully and I'm, I'm like nowhere near a bully in the slightest but I had opinions and it was it was just yeah so I think there's a whole load of stuff that's happened and I think I think now as well with social media people are under so much more scrutiny so you know a lot of my customers yeah. they'll go and they'll tell their story and they use their voice and then people will go oh why have you done that right. and they'll you know they'll get the trolls and they, and you know all it takes is someone saying oh you shouldn't do that yeah and it, it knocks your confidence and if lots of people are saying that it you know maybe it's a boss maybe it's yeah maybe it's someone in, um, out in the community whatever it is eventually you think actually no I'm I'm scared now I'm gonna go inside myself which is a real shame because yeah I work with so many amazing people and at the start of the process you know they are so they're scared of their voice they're scared of their stories and you know it's a lovely transformation to see but it's equally it's you know it is it's you know it's not good that we're still in this place now that people are are afraid to do it (laughs) yeah I mean I I work in the IT consulting industry (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and of, of course, it's still male dominated. There's no getting around it. No matter what mm-hmm. companies uh, are striving to do, it's certainly not not there yet. Do you have any advice for women listening in a male dominated industry, um, either young or experienced, you know, based on what you've been through to to help them with any of that kind of as a philosophy, maybe? Yeah, I I. Again, I don't think it's any big sort of rocket science, but I, I right. think it is about really getting to grips with 
who you are and what you stand for and being at peace with that and kind of if you've got a clear story if you know yourself you know what you're trying to achieve why you're in that role what you're doing that kind of gives you a, it gives you a platform it gives you an area to say right okay I'm going to put my feet in here and I stand for this um and I think you know, it does help. In my experience, it helps because, you you know, it just gives you a bit of power and it gives you a bit of control and it gives you a check and balance. Yeah. And I say this with, you know, when I talk to people about their personal brand storytelling and things like that is, you know, it's a great place to come back to when the world knocks you off kilter. So if something happens in your work environment that you're not comfortable with, you can kind of reflect back on your values or on your purpose and say, right, okay, does that fit with what I really want to be doing? Is that, you know, if I say yes to this guy that's asked me to do something that feels uncomfortable, is it going to compromise my values? Is it going to support my purpose? And so you've just got something to say to make those decisions easier and to go, you know what? No, I don't agree with that. That's completely against my values. It's not going to support where I'm going. And, you know, and being, you know, being able to kind of have some some substance to talk on. It's hard, but I yeah. think, you know, and I think we rely, rely a lot on um, leaders and I think trailblazers. Yeah. So I think, you know, it, you know, again, I, I, as hard as it's been for me over the years to, to do it, I know that every time I use my voice to speak out against something that isn't right, other people in the room are going to be helped by that and right. so again that's right. if it's scary then you know just know that if you're doing it you're helping a much bigger kind of society change so we can we all have a kind of a role to play in that definitely and I think I think that's kind of would be advice just to think of think of yourself as a trailblazer and as you know if it's difficult then yeah just know that you're helping someone else somewhere by doing it <laughs> So let's move on to storytelling. Let's start with the basics. Let me ask you this question. In business, I think some people, well, I know some people, especially in technical businesses, think that this kind of juxtaposition of solid business and technical sales is too far reaching a juxtaposition to bring in emotional stories. Why should we tell stories in business? Because it's built into our DNA to tell stories. I mean, this you know, we're talking about being being uh, storytelling nerds. This is this is where the nerdy stuff comes in, and this is what I get really excited about. So, you know, storytelling isn't anything new. Storytelling has been part of our evolution. It's one of the reasons why we survived as a species was because of our ability to tell stories and that idea of kind of you know being able to deal with the world around us by creating stories. And so it isn't, you know, it isn't some, say, some newfangled thing. It is actually, there's bits of our brain. Our brain, you know, works in story. That's how we, you know, our brain can look at loads of data and it can find patterns in data, but it can also find patterns in stories. Our brains release certain chemicals when we hear stories, like chemicals that help make us more memorable, that help build empathy, that help make us feel happy. So it's kind of like, it's not why would you, it's why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you do this stuff, you know, because at the end of the day, yeah, you know, you've got some really good technology, but the technology is only there because of the people it's there to serve and people have uh, emotions. So if you're, you know, if you're wanting to 
you know, make whatever it is brilliant products that you sell memorable. If you want to build those relationships that are going to help you, you know, get your renewals in and sell more, you know, it is all about people, you know, people buy from people, yada, yada. Um, but there's a reason behind that. Yeah. And it is, it's really true. And so, so storytelling is about making those connections. It's not some fluffy kind of like you know oh we'll all have a big hug and they'll buy from us it's not that at all but it is it's about you know yeah creating that strong emotional connection to what you're selling and that doesn't mean that you know a network switch is going to fill you with joy but it's it's part of that whole story that actually you know understanding what your audience are going through beyond just that kind of yeah. functional business stuff allows you to operate on a completely different level you know it's tech world is so busy you know there is so much noise and so little differentiation I mean I, I learned that from doing value propositions and right, you try and right. talk to big IT companies so you know what's your USPs and like oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's I think that's the thing there is you know technology has come on so far it is very hard to differentiate and you know you go down okay well we'll differentiate on our customer service we'll differentiate on our customer experience yeah great now everyone's got great customer experience so where do we go next and I think it is I think it takes a smart business to understand that actually it is that human connection they need and I just think I think I think we all view the world differently as well I think and I don't know whether it's off the back of covid or just that the world's very difficult at the moment but i think there's a sense that you know what we're trying to achieve in business is more than just that day-to-day kind of yeah. oh increase in productivity right. or you know we we are more there is an idea that we want to change the world a bit and you know and i think you see it across supply chains now you know everyone needs to be able to prove like their sustainability um, credentials for example and that's impacting you know if you go to procurement you have to show that you've got a certain you know you you know you, you hit certain um compliance and so there's all these things and it's not just because we're being forced to do that because collectively we're wanting to make change and I think again for businesses to understand that if they can tap into that kind of yeah that the higher values of someone the collective change that they want to be part of it's just a really great way to differentiate themselves and build the strength of those relationships. Storytelling for me, it's this, it's the connection. And it's, you know, for years I used to write in value propositions, we are a trusted advisor. Oh, I was like, how many times have I written trusted advisor? Oh, <laughs> but... <laughs> I get it all the time. My favorite. Yeah. I've said it on this show before, but you know, I ask people, why should a client choose us? And they say, because we are the safest pair of hands. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh yeah, we could I probably do a whole it. other, a whole hours and hours about That's all the things in court for them. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Definitely. But I think you know, so it's this is about kind of putting the money where the mouth is and saying, okay, yeah, actually, we are. A part, we can be a trusted advisor, but that's not because you know we we've got fifty years experience or we've got this or we've got that. It's because actually we're on an emotionally connected level with you, and yeah. we get what's driving you. And yeah. it's 
it's not the things that we used to think it was. It's that it's the human drivers. And that's where storytelling is really good at say, creating those connections. I completely agree. It, you know, it still brings challenges for some people. Um, and one of the things that I think it's worth clearing up is that people say to me, but I've got a pitch and it's two hours long. I can't tell a two hour story. Firstly, well, maybe you can. But secondly, I think the important thing for me is to make that emotional connection up front. You can still give information and facts and evidence and data, but the audience won't want to hear that information unless you make that emotional connection first. Absolutely. And there's a reason for that. Again, it comes back to the science. So as I was saying about about the brain creating chemicals, one of the chemicals it creates um, is um, oxytocin, which is for building empathy and things. And that is connected to the limbic system. So I'm not going <laughs> to... Trust you, I'm not going to go too deep into this. I could, but I won't. <laughs> but the limbic, so you know the phrase winning hearts and minds? Right. Well, the limbic system in your brain and your body is kind of connected to that idea of winning hearts and minds. So when we make decisions, like you alluded to, we make decisions, we make emotional decisions first. I think it's like 98% of our decisions right. are based on emotion. And it's the limbic system that guides that emotion. So it's the gut feel, the kind of, I don't know why I want to do this, but I just feel I have to. Mm. So that is how all of us make decisions, even people in procurement <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> right. then they're not monsters they all they're all of our brains work the same way and so you know we make those emotional decisions and then we seek the logic we seek the facts and the figures to back up and reassure our our neural systems that we're right in those decisions that we're making so absolutely if you've got a two-hour pitch uh, I, I mean, you'd have to be an amazing storyteller to tell a two-hour story, <laughs> but I'm sure there are people out there that can do it. But absolutely, it's about grabbing hearts and minds at the beginning. So if you tell a story at the start of that pitch and the story is about the people in the room, you know, because stories are never about yourself. It's always about the person that you're talking to. If you put them in the heart of your story, you're going to be grabbing their attention because you're not standing up and showing a slide with all your awards and accreditations right. on and say how long you've been in business for. So uh -huh. tick number one, <laughs> you've already made people sit up and listen in the room. Telling a story will get their these wonderful chemicals flowing so they're going to be thinking about things on a different level. They're going to, the emotions are going to be there. And they've almost, you know, you pretty much will have made that decision in some form about right. you. If it's just a two minute story at right. the beginning and then, yeah, sure, you've got the rest of the session to, you know, to give them examples and to show them the facts and all of that. But it's if you go in up front with all of those facts and figures, it's just boring. It's yeah. just there's yeah. no, you know, and it's it's. It's always, the, I've seen it so often, it's like, you know, you've got to get all of that data in. And then the final slide is the, so what's in it for you? <laughs> they're, they're asleep. They, they clocked yeah. out, you know, yeah. 90 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, you know, and it doesn't even need to be complicated storytelling. Right. Sometimes it's just that mind shift mindset shift from thinking okay rather than starting talking about myself I'm going to start talking about them yeah you know and it's human well, human nature is to talk about ourselves because you know we're slightly selfish people and it's easier but again just you know just do something different at the beginning of a of a meeting something which shows that you really 
empathize with them, that you understand what they're going through. But it's it is again, it's that trying to be a little bit more human about it. So, you know, standing up and trying to, you know, saying, oh, I really understand how difficult your job is. And, you know, it's difficult climate out there. You know, it's not it's not. Yeah. It will have some impact, but it's not it's not going to really wow them. And it's interesting because it's human nature to want to talk about ourselves. But on the other side, it's human nature to want to hear about ourselves. Yes. And we're exactly. not in a, a, a two way dialogue uh, that we would have in the pub when we meet someone for the first time. We must focus on the audience so give them yeah. what they want to hear. Absolutely. And, you know, to me, it sounds like that's such a simple answer. But, it's you know, it is the obvious thing. Yeah. And I think so many people forget that. Um, And, you know, it is exactly talking, making them the hero of that story, making them feel good, making them feel that you've invested in them. And, you know, and it's that kind of ego stroking a bit as well. Um, But it's just that, yeah, the idea that someone is actually talking directly to you. And, you know, the most powerful stories and the most powerful kind of actions that are driven off the back of it come when somebody can see themselves in that story. Mm. It's like a mirror. You want you want your audience to kind of, you know, be in that position without they're holding up a mirror and they're like, that is me. Right. You totally, totally got me. Right. That's, you know, how on earth did you know that <laughs> about me? And 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 it's also, you know, storytelling is is massively about presenting a future you know because storytelling essentially is all about transformation it's it's kind of how we go from one point to the other and what we learn in this so as as business storytellers our responsibility is kind of to hold that mirror up but to also then flip it out and show them what that future could look like for Mm. them so it's it's connecting to where they are now so that they know that they're part of that story it's it's you know not telling them too much it's showing them things it's leaving the gaps and enabling their brain to kind of fill in those gaps and put themselves into that story and then it's it's showing them what that future could look like. And I think, you know, especially in technology, for example, there's some really good opportunities to to to, to kind of to do that and, to, you know, to take them off into, you know, a, not it could be some crazy futuristic world if you were being really creative with it. But equally, it could be 18 months time, right. you know, three years time. Right. And again, not about, oh, in three years' time, look at all the ROI you could have. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's about kind of what they might have achieved for themselves personally. Um, you know, and I think, again, for salespeople, for marketeers, the investment needs to be up front in really understanding your audience. Take the time to, to know who they are. There's so much information available in the public domain. You know, go on LinkedIn see if they've got an Instagram, look at their Twitter, find their Facebook, you know, there is such an opportunity. And it's a bit stalkerish. (laughs) But I think, you know, if again, we'd feel good if I was in a sales meeting, and I was being sold to and they'd taken the time to know, I don't know, yeah, where I went on holiday, or what I enjoyed, or, or what was really important to me. I think that would, you know, again, that's part of that relationship building piece. Uh, yeah and I've, I've done it recently actually I did um 
did some work for a software company um, and their account-based marketing team. So they were looking at doing real one-on-one storytelling. So named account, uh, named right. accounts, um, C-level uh, people. So we were targeting the CFOs and uh, CEOs or um, a head of HR. And it was it was about creating something, you know, which was just it was it was the beginning of a nurture program. So it wasn't, you know, it was that initial kind of door opener email that was going to go out to them. And I had great fun. I literally felt like a stalker. I yep. trolled the internet, <laughs> but it was amazing what you could find. And you know, so so there was a um, a female CFO, and after doing a bit of research, didn't take me that long. I realized that one of her biggest kind of drivers was gender pay equality because she was all over it. Every bit of social media, every post she was liking was about this, you know, and she'd been a, on panel sessions and, you know, it's, it's not, it's not rocket science stuff. It's not. And so, so all I did is I wrote, I wrote this future facing story. Um, I looked two, two years in advance to her standing up it, being uh, awarded um you know for the efforts that she had done within the organization to remove the remove the gap and basically uh, uh, succeed in having um gender pay equality and yeah there was a little bit at the bottom that actually it was this quite fancy hr software that helped her do that because it identified where those gaps were but that was right at the bottom this was all about yeah. how you know she had achieved those things and how you know how how good it felt for her knowing that she had changed changed the you know the lives of so many people within the organization yeah, that might take me 10, 15 minutes right. on the internet to find right. that out. And, you know, so anyone can do that. A salesperson can do that, surely. And, you know, even if it's just, I don't know, finding out what football team I did. That was another yeah. one I did for a guy. And and it was all about, yeah, him celebrating his team being the top of the premiership. And, you know, this is HR software. And so it's just, you know, someone to open that email or LinkedIn message and go, oh, hang on a minute. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, there, there, there's lots of fun ways that you can do it. And, you know, it, it, and it's all stuff, I think, which is is capable. We're all capable of doing this stuff. And, and again, it really helps make that quick distinction. You could say to the same person, we hope to get your company to a place where you will win an award. And they go, well, that sounds quite good. Or you can say, let me tell you about the year 2025 when Robert exactly. Smith stands up. And, and it's just that slight reframing, nearly of the same words. But the key is to get them to taste it. Yes, absolutely. It, right? Yeah, yeah. And if it's, you know, when it's really something like that, when you're saying, hey, you know, th this is a future where you really succeeded and you've really achieved something, you can, you can be really clever with the wording, you know, using emotional wording and, mm. and, and sensory wording as well. We'll get them, yeah, oh, yes, I can really see that. And it was all about, you know, I talked about the sound of the applause in their ears and all, you know, all of these different things that, you know, it, it just, make it a bit more realistic to them and yeah you, you want them leaving thinking oh okay uh, that's that that sounds like a world which I'd like to be part of and it's you know they're not going to sign the deal off the back of it but it's the beginnings of those mm. conversations it's a great differentiator but it is it's just that sign that you care about them and I think it's a great way to build that initial relationship another pushback that I sometimes get which I imagine you've had as well is that's fine, but in this instance, this person is so technical um, that he won't 
or she won't have any emotional response. They won't want to hear anything like that. It's too fluffy. All we've got to give them is the facts. What, what do you say to those people? Oh, yeah, that's a really, really good question. And I think I think I think it does pour poor IT people a bit of a disservice, isn't it? You know, everyone has emotions. Everyone has emotions. We know that, you know, it's just about finding the right thing that's going to excite them, the thing that's going to turn them on. And actually, it might be data that turns them on. If you if you know that, then you can kind of, you know, you can use that as your hook. But it's it's still putting them at the heart of what you're talking about, you know. And we can, yeah, the, the, the word fluffy is one that I come mm-hmm. up with a, a, a right. lot. Oh, this is all fluffy. And we can't, real businesses don't do this sort of stuff. We, yeah, we do. Because, you know, even if you've got someone that's incredibly technical, you know, they are still they still make decisions in the same way that everybody makes decisions yes. they're not robots no. they're, not, they're not any different they just they possibly don't know another way to communicate their feelings externally so they just talk right. in binary terms right. but it's yeah i would say they are the harder you know yeah if hard enough to crack definitely um but yeah, I, I, I think sometimes it's just yeah to recognize that someone is very technical and kind of give them an opportunity to, to explore a different side of themselves mm-hmm. or to see a potential different side of themselves. That could be enough to kind of, you know, yeah. They're a harder nut to crack. But when you do crack it, the results are even more impactful than a naturally absolutely. emotional person. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, if you're trying to sell into a very large, large organization and you and you crack someone like that that is you know that is to to other stakeholders within that organization that's the best advocate you can have and yeah and it's great and it's you know we all again you know talk about kind of making other people feel good we want to feel good too so if we're investing in trying something new and being storytellers ourselves we want those success stories to you know to be able to tell other people and to you know share when we're trying to pitch ourselves out as storytellers so um yeah I think it's worth trying the hard ones as well <laughs> so so let's assume that any naysayers listening to this have, have been convinced now wholeheartedly they say great you know what hillary you're right we've got to tell stories and then they look at the blank piece of paper in front of them <laughs> how, how do we start there's, there's a lot of frameworks out there love to talk about all of them um how, how would you recommend we we start this practical discussion on where to even start to even start yeah I mean I think yes there are there are tons of frameworks out there and you know they're they're all based on very similar um structures essentially because there are only seven plot types in the world so however we tell a story always falls within one of those seven plot types and it was was a huge um university uh piece of research over lots and lots of years so you know it's about finding the one that works works for you. But how do you do that? Do you want to read all the books? No, probably not. So, you know, let's just start, start from scratch. And it's the beginning things. Don't worry about structure to start is one of the things right. that I would say. You know, start with the basics. You know, who Number one, who is your audience? Yeah. Sounds so basic. So many people forget it. You know, so, it, yeah, and, and go niche. So, you know, we're trying to tell one story to everybody it's it's just it's not worth you trying to do you know you want to you want to really know who your audience is you want to take the time to understand them 
understand their kind of table stake needs, understand, you know, those basic things that they need, and then understand what they need emotionally as well. Um, so, you know, if you're if you're looking at doesn't have to be a named individual but if you're saying you were targeting yeah hr directors for example as part of the campaign you know creating a persona of your hr director working out kind of what their life looks like outside of the office as well as mm-hmm. internally you know what are they trying to achieve outside of their KPIs, basically, what what are the things that they're trying to do with their lives? Are they trying to get out of HR? Are they trying to get a seat on the board? Are they trying to just get some money because they want to go off and I don't know, buy a house in Barbados? Wh- whatever it is, you know, what are the things that they're scared of? What do they wake up in the middle of the night? What are the things that plague them? You know, what would help help them feel better? Help, what would help them feel more joyful? So working out who your audience are and creating those personas is the number one thing for any story. (laughs) Um, So that's the starting point, because in doing that, you're figuring out what problem you're solving. And that's what we don't. Again, that's a kind of, you know, the basic thing, who your audience are, what's the problem you're solving for them? And what's the outcome you want? You know, why are you writing that story? What are you trying to do? You know, are you doing it because you're trying to recruit a load of people to come onto a webinar for you? Are you trying, do you want them to book a sales meeting off the back Mm. of it? Do you want them to, you know, is it further down the sales journey? And actually, you know, the stories are there to kind of push them over the line. They're there or thereabouts ready to sign up, but they just need that last validation. So being really clear on the outcome of your story the emotional outcome as well. So not just the kind of call to action thing, Mm. but also how you want someone to feel when they read your story. You know, do you want them to feel excited, joyful, optimistic, you know, hopeful, scared, (laughs) whatever it might be, you know, again, so all of a sudden, you still haven't got any words pretty written down on your back bit of paper, but you've got these understandings of what you want that story to do and what you want it to feel. And then it's kind of, you know, once you know what it is you're trying to do, you can think, okay, is do I need to tell a real story? You know, could it be a customer story that I can tell? Do I need to tell a story which is, you know, much more fictionalized? Is it is it something that I can create? Um, is it, a, you know, can I use elements of my own experience in it? What's my wisdom? How do I share that? Um, and then, you know, then you're starting to think about about structure. And, you know, there are, you know, Hero's Journey. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My favourite, of course. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure of the relevance of Hero's Journey so much anymore. Right. And I I will tell you why. There's a few reasons. But it is, you know, it's the basis of um, story brand, for example. example. So Donald Miller's story brand used across so many large businesses in it and it works and it's essentially a story version of of the whole normal case study of you know problem solution benefit it's just a a, a kind of a, a way to to make that more uh, interesting i think for me the hero's journey is quite restrictive one i think just the la- you know the language hero um yeah. is kind of a bit outdated nowadays and it kind of you know I mean, there'd be, there'd be tons of views on that. One day I'm going to put this on LinkedIn and just sit back and <laughs> yeah. wait for the scorn. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I think the hero's journey, essentially it, it is a good plot type, but it's focusing very much on just 
kind of, you know, one person achieving one thing. And a couple of years ago, it worked really well because the hero's journey is, is, you know, is about transformation. It's change. It's about someone going on a quest to solve their problem. And they they meet a guru along the way. And you can put yourself as the guru when you, know, you give them a plan and and they you know, it leads them to success. And, and it's all wonderful. And we're all happy at the end. <laughs> But it is that very much that individual success. And Mm. it does work in certain terms. But like I was saying earlier, I think nowadays we're looking for more kind of collective success. And it's not so much about that kind of one person trying to get somewhere and be something. It's it's how we can impact society. What is Mm. the collective narratives here? Um, And I think for me, it's... um, one of the well, there's two plot types in particular that I really like. Uh, one is Journey of Discovery, which is kind of where you can go off into a different world and learn all this stuff about you, and you come back and the world hasn't changed particularly, but but you've changed. So Wizard of Oz, that type yeah, of thing. Yeah. Um, or Overcoming the Monster. So uh, if you think of um, oh, what's it? Stranger Things. Yeah. So you know the show Stranger Stranger Things. Um, so. In Overcoming the Monster Plot, it's about a community of people Mm. coming together to collectively beat down that monster. And so it's, it is, I think it's more reflective of how we are as a society now versus the hero journey. And so in a business perspective, Overcoming the monster becomes a really interesting, playful plot because that monster could be anything, you know, Mm. it could, it could be. I don't know, it could be the board members, <laughs> it could be the economic climate, it yeah. could be, you know, a particular problem within that within that organisation. But I think, you know, it's that ability to tell a story where you are fighting a, a broader problem. And, you know, maybe that broader problem is something like gender equality maybe it's climate change um you know and so again for 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 a a business or you know especially a technology company to show that they're part of that fight and actually you know their software is kind of for example their software is is part and parcel but actually the way that they do it and what that does to the organization helps them together to you know to to overcome this bigger monster that's sat over there I, i just think it's a a more representative kind of view what do you think well I really like that one especially because it's not just here's a monster we'll defeat it to your example of stranger things it requires courage and bravery and it requires people to reach inside of themselves and find a person in there that they didn't even know existed so it's got that transformation story in as well but it also brings in a huge amount of emotion when you are overcoming fear to beat the monster as well yeah definitely and I think fear is one of those great emotions that you know no matter where we are in in our lives we can all you know all understand fear and all know that feeling and and you know I think um it's fear is a really useful emotion in storytelling when you're looking at things like strategic change. Mm. So if you're trying to sell big change programs in and things, then understanding fear um, can help you get that connection. Um, I did some work a while ago with uh, a lady who um, was, she's a, a senior sales leader and she was 
in staying within the same organization but moving into a, a newly created strategic role and she was about to start a really big program of change um completely changing the way that they structured their sales channel and so it was you know big impact it was going to impact a lot of people (laughs) um and you know it it was there for good reasons but ultimately it was going to impact a lot of people and um she came to me because she was just like how do I go into this room of people and introduce myself and kind of sell myself to them knowing that they're all really scared and reluctant (laughs) and they're probably not really going to want to hear from me because they're 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 asking about the fact we're going to have to do all this change so you know what do I do what do I go and talk about can I use story telling and I was like yes you can (laughs) so what was really interesting with her I mean you know this this doesn't happen every day she had an amazing story to tell so we I like to unpick I I, I'm a bit like a therapist I'll go all the way you know how was your childhood you know what was like what was your relationship like with your parents (laughs) but you know because every now and again you find something which is really fascinating she told me the story about when she left university um she went to America and she was selling education books so she was going door to door on her own you know young female in America (laughs) um selling these books and you know it was it was fairly successful and one day she was at a trailer park she was knocking on the different trailers and few people answered no we're not really interested and then one she knocked on one trailer and the door swung open as a guy with a massive shotgun in her face like get off my land and I was like right that is the story gotta use that tell I can't tell that (laughs) you can and what was really clever about that is because telling that story and she you know she carried on she just she she backed away she got in her car and she and she carried on and and that was the beginning of her sales career and she was a really successful salesperson so you know it was a really nice story about resilience so it showed you know it showed the audience in that room who were looking to her as this new leader that she was resilient that she was strong that she doesn't take any nonsense but also what it did very cleverly was it opened up a conversation in the room about fear. Right. And, you know, she invited other people to share their stories of when they were really, really scared. Right. And in doing so, you kind of then, everybody's in this mode where they're talking about fear. And it's like, you know, they're having a laugh, they're talking about scary moments in their lives. But it's then, it's that kind of gateway in to say, okay, so we all know about fear and what we're about to do, what we're going to do over the next 12 months is really scary. So let's just acknowledge that all in the room. But, you know, we've all got past those fears that we've talked about. So how do we do that together? How do we move forward together? And so it's a really, you know, a really Mm. great way of just, you know, getting people on board, getting those conversations. And I think for me, storytelling, although it is part of the sales kind of technique, toolkit it is about opening up conversations and kind of you know where where can it go next and I I I love the idea that you know that's what we're doing is we're starting conversations and and we're we're inviting people in and you know and Mm. and with customers we're inviting them into this world and we can you know we can be open we can talk about these things and the other thing that that story does is it shows real vulnerability as well Ah, and I think this is often overlooked especially Maybe I'm generalizing, but I feel men especially don't like to ever show any sign of weakness, especially (laughs) older guys in business. 
um, they they see that really as a flaw that a client will say, "Oh, they're weak. We're not going to work with them." But the power of vulnerability is absolutely huge. It is massive, yeah. And I'm really glad you brought that up actually because it is huge, and everything you've just described is 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 so true. <laughs> um, I think you know I am starting to see a bit a bit of a shift. I think yeah. you know there are definitely. Um, I, I think that the, the, there are lots of different types of people. And I think the more emotionally intelligent person, regardless of what gender you are, ha- is starting to come around to the idea of vulnerability. But yeah, it's really hard to be vulnerable in a business environment. It's really hard for a female to be vulnerable in a business environment. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but it is it is one of the most powerful tools that we have. And when I work with small business owners, it's easier for them because it tends to just be them. And so a lot of like, you know, they're talking about why they set up their business and what it means to them. And, and you know, they're talking about times where they failed and, and kind of, you know, so they can be more vulnerable. But at a larger level, at a big corporate level, it is really, it is really difficult. But again, I think if you can find it in yourself to show elements of vulnerability, what it does is it it makes it okay for other people around you and it makes it okay for your customers as well. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, you're saying, look, I'm going to share this bit and it's okay. We're, you know, we're, we're all flawed, essentially. We're all flawed characters. And so it's kind of, you know, being vulnerable is the more realistic way to operate when you've got someone which is just like, Oh no, everything's perfect all the time. Yeah. I'm not sure how much we trust those people no, anymore. I don't think we. I do. think we used to because we didn't know another way. But I think I think now again, social media, things like that. I I, I just think that we prefer to see imperfect stuff nowadays because I completely we agree. know that we're imperfect yeah. so yeah so again I think that's partly another reason why the hero story doesn't work so much for me because yeah. this idea of a hero on a pedestal is mm. almost it's not achievable mm. we want real people we want you know if we're hearing about a success story from an IT company, for example, we want to hear about the things that went wrong as well. You know, we want to know what yeah. they learned from it. We want to know that it wasn't, you know, oh, yeah, just three months and it was all done. Right. <laughs> we know that that's rubbish. We yeah. know how difficult these things are. And I think it's really interesting. And I've, I've written quite a lot about the idea of an anti-hero as well. And there's right. quite a lot of stuff that's been being said over the last couple of years around that. And if you look to things like Netflix, you look to movies that now the traditional hero is, is is in the shows that really work and really capture people's imagination yeah. that hero is is flawed as hell yeah. <laughs> you know even the superheroes so what's it um deadpool i mean right. he's not you're but he is an anti-hero but without a doubt yeah. and you know and it's great because again you know what we we're saying about holding a mirror up if you've got a hero in front of you that's perfect, it's got perfect teeth, the perfect hair, and yeah. her life or his life is perfect, we can't see ourselves in them. And so we get bored and we, yep. we go away. But if you've got a character, a guilty pleasure of mine is Emily in Paris. I don't know if you've Oh, no, I don't Emily. know that one. <laughs> it's, it's very trashy, but it's also <laughs> very interesting because it kind of tells a story. Very beautiful girl 
moves from Chicago to France, working in the fashion industry, all very glamorous. And you kind of think it was really like boring because, you know, she always yeah, she gets the guy and all this. But actually, she's not that person at all. She's messy. She's really, really messy. She's flawed. She cheats on people. She doesn't know what she's doing half the time. And, you know, and she's really endearing because I'm like, yeah, I get her. You know, yeah. I get that, that we all make ridiculous mistakes uh and we try and learn from them we don't learn from them and you know it's all these things and I think so as storytellers I think it's our responsibility to show vulnerability because I think that's the more believable honest side of ourselves and I think in business it's a hard place to be um but I think it's again, I'm seeing more more senior leaders doing it. I think there are some really good leaders out there who are talking more about their personal journeys, yeah. um, um, sharing kind of their earlier career, sharing the the fight that they've had against certain things. And I think that really helps. And even though it might not be stories that are shared directly with a customer when it's done in like in the public domain it's creating that kind of culture so if you see you know if you're if you're looking to work with an organization and you've watched a talk by the ceo where he's been really vulnerable it's you know and you can you know you've got that connection it's just it's all part of that kind of like that's an organization i want to work with they're a good yeah they're good people at the heart and i I get them and so so, yeah it's it's all sometimes it's that kind of subconscious pieces as well as the you know the direct story to sell yeah (laughs) I think it helps on a, a presentation front as well, as in, you know, you can sometimes see people who are very nervous at presenting and they're trying to tell a bold story or or not. And and it's a bit awkward and everyone's thinking, oh, I, I hope that they kind of can get through this. <laughs> but on the other hand, sometimes you see vulnerable, vulnerable people. Emma Watson speaking at the UN, for example. Yeah. She's nervous. She's her voice is shaking, but she tells this incredibly vulnerable story, and you just say, "Wow, that was one of the most powerful speeches or presentations I've ever seen." You don't. I, I'm I'm glad you didn't come and tell that in a really confident way that you know yeah. and we might expect from an actress. Mm, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I think I think it's we almost be, we root for them as well and it is where you've got someone that you think is naturally confident and then you see them in this vulnerable state and oh is that I saw recently oh Richard E. Grant that was another one it oh, right. presented the BAFTAs he was really nervous right. and he was he was shaking his his note cards and everything and fluffing his words and I just remember thinking there was a little bit of like oh gosh it's a bit awkward <laughs> and I thought you know what that's it's really refreshing to yeah. see that you know especially people you know like actors who are you know that's kind of their world to be you know be able to put on a face and no matter what's happening kind of present themselves in a very strong way but even for people like that to get nervous and you know to 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 talk with emotion it's really refreshing to see that and I think that's you know the more we see that across all areas of society you know the the more comfortable we will become with being more vulnerable and I think when we can do that I think a lot of good stuff happens I think we can just we can talk to people on a different level we can you know you cut the bullshit out and it's just you know you just get down to the kind of the basics of what drives people. And again, that's where those really exciting connections happen. Yeah, I mean, we're all just humans. And I think the humans we sometimes expect to perform 
are also, because of that, under the most stress and pressure and <laughs> the hardest conditions to perform. Yeah. In your line of work, do you, do you come across much need to talk about mental health and that stress and pressure when you're helping people to prepare for their presentations and stories? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think, you know, I I I talk quite a lot. I mean, I've, I've been through a whole mental health journey myself. I I suffer from um anxiety and panic attacks in particular and it, it's it's really affected me over the years. Um but yeah, definitely, you know, I think there is there is a lot of there's a lot more openness around mental health, which is good. And so I do talk to a lot of people as they're as they're as we're working through that kind of process with them. Imposter syndrome is something yeah. which really comes up a lot. Um and and more so with men recently as well. You know, yeah. it, it isn't and I think that's probably the number one thing that's holding people back is, mm. is imposter syndrome. And it's but again, the more high profile people that speak about it exactly you know Cheryl Sandberg speaks about it we've seen you know all the, um uh uh who else Michelle Obama you right. know again you know these are these are people that traditionally we would be up on those high pedestals but they're they're coming down to our level because they're saying you know what I feel that too or mm-hmm. you know the number of of people in the public eye that talk that share their mental health journey that talk about their stories of how they've battled with things I think it's I just think it's it is such an important part of our entire narrative now to kind of to be able to talk about those things and and address them because you know it is a vulnerable place to be as a storyteller you know we've talked about vulnerability but it's also you know if if you're constantly putting yourself out there and you're putting yourself out there in the in the public domain whether that's you know selling or on social media there is always going to be that potential for kind of backlash there's a potential yeah. for burnout there's all of these things and i was with um uh, with a group of customers yesterday and um I was talking to a guy who went through a lot of mental health issues himself and he was um, about 10 years ago, he used to tell his story about everything that he had been through and how he'd come out the other side. And more and more people were kind of connecting with it. So, oh, will you come and speak at my event and tell your story? And he's like, yeah, this is great. Until he said about a year later, he realized he had told his story so many times that he'd been reliving the trauma. And oh, wow. so actually, yeah, and I was, I, I, I've never heard that before. And I don't, I, yeah, it's quite an unusual thing to happen. But there is this, there is this risk, if you're, you know, if you're constantly sharing a really difficult time in your life, it can be triggering and you know and uh, yeah that was that was a quite extreme version but I think you know we've this is where it comes down to kind of being able to set barriers with ourselves and and knowing you know knowing when we need to step back for our own kind of um own sanity and and things but yeah that that was quite quite a powerful thing he told me (laughs) Uh, barriers is interesting so lots of guests I've talked about nerves and preparation I'm, I'm sure you know a great deal about that but one of your podcast episodes um was your acceptance speech at the Oscars, which <laughs> I just thoroughly enjoyed. It was very t- dry, tongue-in-cheek. Um, but, you, but you mentioned barriers there as well. Can you, can you elaborate a bit on, on how setting barriers is helping in this business context? Yeah, I, th- I, I 
think I mean barriers are, are, have been really important to me when I had no barriers <laughs> that's when my that's when kind of I wasn't very happy and my mental health was really bad I think it is really important to know how much you're comfortable sharing and I think that's when I talk about barriers is you know it is you know kind of you know what do you want to share uh, and what's going to stop you from sharing something else and um you know this idea that we all have to share everything about our lives and yada yada, yeah. it's just we, we don't need to do that. We need to do what's comfortable with us. But I also think there's an element of kind of pushing yourself sometimes. I think, yeah. you know, we can kind of say, oh, no, I can't I can't go there because I've, I've set my boundaries. and I can't go. And, and that's all right. scary over there. And actually, sometimes when when we overcome some of those barriers and we we push ourselves out to those other spaces, we learn so much about ourselves, which we can then build back into our stories. So I think mm-hmm. it's yeah, I think it's you know we need we need we need boundaries, but they need to be a little bit soft and squidgy sometimes, so that we yeah. can you know we can push through them and 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 take ourselves out there a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah but it, yeah, I've definitely yeah, it's definitely impacted me over the years. <laughs> Now I'm going to put you on the spot. Now we'll we'll see. <laughs> Over the years, you have written and heard countless business stories. I thoroughly enjoyed the one about the shotgun a second ago. Would you, <laughs> you have, are there any others that have stuck with you over the years? Because that's the power Ooh. of stories, isn't it? The the memories. Yeah. You know, often you know we touched on this earlier, but I remember stories that I heard in the pub ten years ago. I don't remember mm. the presentation I saw yesterday. It, <laughs> and yeah, I think I think with my with my small business clients, that's where we get the really fun stories because again, you know, it's just people are much more open and you know, stories of like being chased through the jungle and and <laughs> what someone right. I'm working with at the moment that that went on a big expedition through the jungle. Um, in her in her 20s as well and she was an artist in residence so she was on this expedition and she was she was documenting it um visually the whole way through and yeah being being chased by monkeys (laughs) (laughs) how do you how do you then find a way to make that relevant I think (laughs) Yes, yeah, and uh, definitely, I, I get asked that a lot. Of kind of like, you know, how do I, you know, do it? Is is do people care about stuff like that? And you know, it's one of those things that it's an interesting anecdote. So it's a great way to start a presentation. If you've got a little funny story like that, you know, listen to any TED talk. They all they all start with a story, mm-hmm. and it's it's quite a nice way to introduce yourself. It's better than just kind of like, hi, I'm Hillary, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But it's also you know, like the like the shotgun story, if there's things that that story taught you, that's where that's where that experience becomes relevant. So, it, you know, if you learn something about yourself, which has now been part of who you are and how you deal with other people or how you do your job or the products that you make, that's where the relevancy is. It's it's normally less about the actual experience more about what you've learned off the back of it and always what that therefore means to your audience if there is no if it means nothing to your audience then don't tell it even if you think it's the funniest bestest story in the world don't (laughs) tell it we've all been there haven't we yeah you go to a party and there's some someone that's like you know really loud voice and telling this story and they think they're hilarious and they think it's like 
right okay mm. and why did you tell us that yeah <laughs> and it's the same in business storytelling we've always got to remember that so what does it mean for me yeah so if it's yeah if you're thinking it's just a nice thing to tell then then you know save it for when you go down the pub possibly um linkedin is one of my bugbears with linkedin is that you see people trying to shoehorn stories into sales mm. messages and it's yeah. really annoying <laughs> I, there are times where i'm like i'm not going back on linkedin um, yeah. and i think you know it's it, it's like something happens like when the the lionesses won um uh, the football tournament you know every every kind of business leader was trying to use that and yeah. kind of talk about teamwork and it's it's it, yeah, people see through that. So it, there's got to be an authentic relevance to your to your audience. And it's got to be a story that really sits within you or your business. Not, you know, sometimes there are things that happen in the world that we can reflect on and tell stories about. But again, it should be our experiences with that reflection versus, oh, something's happened over here and I'm just going to try and push it into the beginning of my presentation. No, absolutely. Yeah. That sound good. <laughs> I mean, we, and we've all got so many stories because they they are the experiences that make us. And the nice thing about that is if there's a story from your life that you remember, it's usually got some kind of moral or lesson at the end because you only remember it because you've overcome a challenge usually. You don't Absolutely. remember I went to the shops and it was fantastic. You remember I went to the shops and broke my leg. Oh, my God. Let me tell you about that story. What did I learn yeah. at the end of it? But in the yeah. same way we can't necessarily sit down at the beginning of a pitch preparation and think right what are all the stories in my entire life and which one is going to resonate <laughs> so what I do is uh, whenever a little thing from my past pops into my memory normally at the worst times normally when I'm falling asleep I write it down and I've, I have a notebook and I build up this library of stories and I try and figure out what's the lesson in each of those that's been such a fantastic repository for me that is unique to me that I own that I can always look back on. Yeah, and that's great. I mean, that's a really good bit of advice. And I, I often get asked the same as, yeah, how, how do I, you know, how do I remember these stories? How do I, right. how do I sit down and think about them? I'm like you, I've got a notebook, I've got a Trello board. Um, right. uh, so it, it is. And I think, you know, sometimes we don't really know why. I, I put stuff in my notes. I'm like, I don't know why I've written that, but I'm just going to keep it in there. Right, and and right. then it's, you know, you'll come back to it and your brain, there's a reason that your brain will think, well, hang on a minute, I'm going to write that down. And, yeah. and you know, there's then all of a sudden you'll be, yeah, you'll be going into a presentation and you suddenly think, oh my God, I can tell that story. Mm. That's really cool. Um, and I think it's the same with um, any kind of anecdotes, any um, customer stories as well, because I think, again, we're certainly working with small businesses, they're, you know, kind of thinking, oh, when can I talk about a certain thing that I've done with the customer and, you know, and I keep forgetting what I've done and, yeah, just anything like that, any successes you've had um, outside of work as well as internally to work, right. any realisations, any interactions, things things that you just witness as you're going around your every everyday world because again that you know often there is you know you'll be you'll just naturally find the kind of the connection and I think as you say as I said at the beginning stories are all about making sense of the world around us so sometimes it is those really kind of mundane things that we do those little observations that we have that actually kind of have an epiphany moment or like oh my god that is you know that's the thing that I need to talk about and it could be yeah. I don't know yeah just you know the the dog doing something and you know whatever right. it might be but yeah but it but it can yeah you know, provide 
turning into something really big off the back of it or something that's really relevant or something which demonstrates a side of you that you're trying to portray as well because you know like we say it's all about connections we want people to know as a storyteller we want people to know who you are as well you know and so sometimes it's those little glimmers in glimpses into your life into the way that you see the world that helps people understand you better so you know your own observations are really important in in that understanding piece Mm. as well so let's talk about uh, a hot topic of the moment because I know again I feel like I've been stalking you by listening to your podcast (laughs) I know you have an opinion on this one which is should we be using AI to help us tell our stories? Ah. <laughs> yes, I do have a few opinions on that. <laughs> oh, do you know, it's a difficult one. I would say essentially no, but I, I don't, I'm, you know, I, I come from a technology world. I've spent so much of my career in technology and I love technology. And so I didn't, there were lots of writers uh, in my kind of community on Instagram that were straight away were like, oh my God, I'm so scared for my career. And then there was like, oh, I'm not going to touch this. And I think because I've been, I've worked with many organizations over the years that have automation software and use robots and kind of I've written countless papers about kind of workplace and the impact of automation on workplace and how you deal culturally with those shifts I think I was probably in a better position not to panic quite so so much about it um and I had a yeah you know I was one of the early adopters of using chat gtp and just to play around with it and I I haven't found any purposeful way of using it in what I do. It's okay. fun. It's interesting. Um, is it good for idea generation? Possibly, you know, if you're a little bit stuck on ideas. But essentially, I don't think it can tell a story. And the reason that I don't think it can tell a story is because stories are the basis of humanity. You know, storytelling is a human right. thing to do. Yes, an AI could write a narrative, you know, could write the kind of the fundamentals of something, but it won't understand the nuances of emotion um, yeah. yet. I mean, may- maybe, maybe Elon yet. Musk will do something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but essentially that's it. And I think it is, it's those, it's the emotional side of it, the feelings, the sensory part of storytelling, which is very hard for an AI to replicate. So they can tell, I, I have tried it and I have got said, oh yeah, can you write a certain story in a certain style? And they can, you know, the, the, the basis is of there. So structurally, their stories are right. So it's, you know, it's clearly, you know, there, there's so many algorithms, there's so many structures out there. It's not difficult for them to write something that's structurally in the right order. Um, so, you know, maybe if you were new to this and you, you know, you wanted to get away from your blank page to something, then it could mm. be helpful to kind of put that outline. But I think if you were to use AI and send a story straight from AI out in front of your audience, it would go nowhere because it's lacking the emotion to make the connections and I just don't think it would work it might work as a blog post possibly I don't know probably not but I think yeah proper storytelling needs to come from inside us and it needs to come it's all our experiences it's the way we see the world the way that the world makes us feel Mm. AI doesn't get there I don't think no I think what it can help with is 
people who are not necessarily very good at writing and you know they they can stick an idea not even an idea you can write a story as a brain dump and then you can ask ChatGPT, yes. can you please make this sound better and fix the grammar and those kinds of things i think it's quite good at restructuring things that way but it's yeah. that is that assistive 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 it's, it, it assists us rather than yeah. does it yes, for us. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, you know, I, I'm under no, you know, I'm not worried about my job. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm not worried I'm going to be, everything's going to be taken over by robots. But yeah, I mean, it can, you know, it is good from getting from that kind of lots of scribbled notes to some structure. But I think, I think my, my caveat with that and the word of advice that I would give is still to, even if you've taken, like you suggested, inputted all your brain dump ideas and asked it to structure a story it still needs to be written in your voice and that ai isn't going to necessarily know your voice so again it's for you to then look at and say right i've got it structurally so how would i say these things how you know is that a word i would use voice is really really important in storytelling because of that of that kind of one-to-one nature of it and when we when we tell stories in written form for example we want that voice to be the same as ours because there's nothing weirder than you probably had this if you follow someone on social media and you think oh they sound really cool and then you go into a meeting room with them and they're like completely different in real life or or they're really fun in a meeting room and then they follow up with some really corporate kind of like (laughs) you know all the corporate rubbish and you're just like hang on which is the real person and it doesn't help with trust so if you kind of have those like oh this is a bit weird they've got two different voices it makes you start to question what else are they kind of not letting on to and so I think there is this you know consistency of voice across everything that you do so if you're using chat AI make sure that you then kind of rewrite it a bit with your voice and one of the one of for me the way that I check that something's written in voice is to read it aloud and I think it's quite a powerful thing if you read something you've written aloud if you stumble over certain words it's probably because they're not your authentic voice and so Mm. it's quite a good way of just like of getting it all out there because it will feel gross you know you'll say something you'll be like oh god did I just say that and then you can like go actually you know what I wouldn't ever say that what would I say and so I think that again with with something like um AI then it is you know it's just those things to, to help you along the way a little bit but you still need to yeah uh, kind of apply yourself to it (laughs) now you have uh, a business you've got a podcast you do all sorts where can people find you what do you want to tell people about Ah, okay thank you well yeah so I um the business is 22 stories so I'm um, you can find me on the internet uh 22-stories.com I mainly hang out on Instagram and LinkedIn so 22 stories and me on Instagram and Hilary Solzman there's only one of me in the world so uh quite easy to find wow. on LinkedIn <laughs> um yeah <laughs> Um, and yeah, so I hang out there. Um, and I'm a big believer in, in sharing of content. So, you know, my Instagram channel, especially, it's, you know, not everybody can afford and can access, you know, the, the, the stuff that I charge to do. And I just don't want that kind of inequality in the world. So if people can afford to work with me, and I do everything from kind of like one to one training and mentoring to coming in and doing big brand story workshops or personal brand stories and, you know, write, writing sales material and websites and things like that, if people can afford to do that, then that's great. But if they can't, then I, you know, all the tools 
to do that the guidance the support is all available across my uh, across my um, social media channels I really really strongly believe in that and that's one of the big reasons why I launched the everyday storyteller which is my podcast you know I just want people to be able to access this information and use it the everyday storyteller is on all major podcast platforms <laughs> um, and it's a daily show so it's Monday to Monday to Friday it's a couple of minutes long each episode when you've listened to it and yeah the idea being it's just you know it's I say it's a show for women um, wanting to find their voice and with, uh, women with something to say but it's really for everybody you know I, I can see my demographics it's not just women that listen and the idea being it's just a few minutes every day give you an idea one thing to write about think about or do in your day so you know gradually over listening to them you're building that storytelling muscle you know I share share practical tips I share some very silly stories on there there's a whole load of stuff from uh, my daughter's experience with her ghost and uh, yep. an imaginary egg egg machine and all sorts of things <laughs> <laughs> and it's just you know it's, it's just a nice safe space to hang out in and um yeah and learn a little bit about storytelling and I can confirm that your podcast is awesome in fact the way I would describe <laughs> it is uh it's delicious because it feels oh. like these little hors d'oeuvres that you have in the morning, one a day, I like that. a little, a little a day. sweet treat or something. Yeah, absolutely. And once you've had one, you always want another one as well. Oh, thank so you. you too kind. Now, what are your final words of wisdom for anyone getting in or interested uh, in business storytelling? Just do it. It's not particularly, uh, you know, I've got no great wisdom. It's one of those things. It's a muscle that you need to develop. Don't fear it. Don't think it's something big and scary. You're probably doing it already, you know, in the way that we tell stories every day, you know, come home from work, go to the pub. We're all doing it. Don't be scared when it comes to doing it in a business perspective. Just try, start somewhere not give up and keep on going and and be true to yourself that would be my my ultimate thing brilliant words of advice <laughs> hillary thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure having you on oh thank you danny i've really enjoyed it this has been another episode of pitch masters go to pitchguy.co.uk for updates and information or search for pitch guy on social media for regular videos on sales psychology storytelling creativity and much more 